0: an Apple Viz original. Hey, everybody. It's me, Thomas, and Mike Malarci coming your way. I just wanted to kind of tell you before the show starts today that we have a small announcement, kind of a big announcement, really. Our big friend, Big R, Randy Resnick has suffered a stroke earlier last week. Uh, Good news is that he is expected to recover fully from what I understand. Um, He is still in the hospital. And they are soon going to be moving to a uh, non-critical rooms for him to stay in, to continue to watch over him and do some physical therapy with his speech. As I understand it, it has affected his speech. The also good news is that he is not going to have any serious or physical side effects that we typically will see with a stroke. So that is great news. So I hope he gets on a speedy recovery.
1: Yeah. And uh, we were so, I mean, I'm sure at this point, most people know my story. Um, One of the things that helped me a lot was the amount of just kind of random letters, seemingly uh, well wishes, things like that from people, some that I knew, some that I completely didn't. So I thought we would maybe kind of do something similar. So for those of you listening to this, if you want to send an email, uh, a note of support or whatever you want to say to Randy, uh, unleash at applebiz.com. Shoot him that way, and we'll make sure we're going to get them all put together and send a little digital care package his way. That would be so thankful for all of you.
0: And we greatly appreciate that. And we will also be sending well wishes to Randy ourselves for a speedy recovery. And absolutely we hope to have you back, Randy, if you're listening. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to Apple Viz Unleashed for March 2023. My name is Thomas Donville, also known as Anonymous, Mouse. And as always, we got our co-host, Mike Malarcy. Howdy, Mike. Hello. How are you? It's good to hear from you, buddy.
1: It's good to be here. Spring is in the air. I'm, I'm excited.
0: All right. You know, we just had our first day of spring up here in the northern hemisphere. I am so ready for warm weather and sunny days. That is what I'm hoping for. Yep. I'm done with the winter blues. It's time for spring and summer for me, my favorite time of the year. Um, we also have a special guest with us, guys, for co host and that is Darcy Bernard from Mac Accessibility. How are you, Darcy? Hey, good to be here with you guys. We have been wanting for you to come on, and I'm so glad and happy that you were able to get on with us. You have been running Mac Accessibility for, gosh, a long
2: time. How long has that been going? Well, Mac Accessibility we've been doing since 2009. But prior to that, I had an, another uh, podcast with my girlfriend, Holly. We we started in 2006 called The Screenless Switchers. And it was um because back then they, they, there was a big thing with Apple, like their whole switcher campaign. So we had Screenless Switchers. And so yeah, I've been I've been podcasting about Apple stuff since mid 2006 Gosh. What? That'd be what several years? Yeah. I don't know That's- if anyone else is doing it yet. At least from from a voiceover standpoint. There were certainly things like, you know, the Mac cast and things like that. There and Mac OS Ken, I think might have been him, he was probably doing his thing then. But I, I think that might have been the we might have been the first one from an accessibility standpoint. That's cool. So if, if if anybody, if you haven't heard of Mac accessibility, you should. It is
0: not just for the Mac, and they talk about just about everything underneath the sun when it comes to Apple-related news as well. Um, they have a great set of group of people on there. As he mentioned, Holly is one of those people that always is there with them. Sometimes I think I hear, oh, gosh, a little bit of everybody, really.
2: Yeah, Robin Christofferson's there a lot. Uh Shelley Brisbane. Um, uh Robert Carter recently joined us. Mm. Um, who you probably know from the Tech Doctor podcast. Um so yeah, it's 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 a good group of people over there. You do that what? Like every two weeks, except for summer, you take a little break. We take some time off in the summer and you know, sometimes over holidays and, and whatnot, but mostly it's every two weeks. Great
0: show. You guys were on it long before I was. <laughs> and so I, I you guys are my mentor when it comes to podcasting. <laughs> yeah, All right. Fun. Well, this month, guys, so we had something brand new that we developed and introduced into Apple Viz. And that is what we call the Apple Vision Accessibility, the Apple Viz report card. So basically, a summary is that this is a report card on based on a number of things that we had our community vote on. And it's out of a five system so in other words one is terrible five is great and we had a really in-depth comprehensive podcast with the team with this and for this i'm just going to do just a brief highlight summary of a couple things i'd like to point out and get some inputs from you guys especially now that we got darcy with the mac side so we're kind of weak on that side but i would love to hear from both of you. So let's just cover just a few things. And I thought we'd talk about the iOS first as a lot of people in our listeners are iPhone users. Um, So in terms of the iOS or voiceover feature as a whole, as in when you look at the iPhone and you look and say, wow, this is introducing voiceover and what it presents to you. Um, With no surprise, we got a 4.5 out of 5. So I wasn't too surprised with that. And a 4.2 as an overall user experience. Is that something you both um, think that's a pretty good grade as in to give to Apple saying what voiceover has present to us?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think that's fair actually because I mean, it is functional. I would not say it's perfect, but as far as all the different accessible tech that I've used, especially in terms of phones, definitely the highest rate in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's always going to be room for improvement, right? And um, and, and it's so hard really to even think about like, because voiceover is not like a separate thing, right? It's, I mean, there, there's not really a thing called voiceover. It's just, it's more about like how all the various apps are accessible. Like, do they all, you know, use all of Apple's accessibility APIs and do they do it well and all that? So um, there's always improvement, but I I think you know it's it uh I it meets my needs. I've I've never really contemplated. I've been an Apple user, strictly an Apple user, for a long time, and I've not really ever contemplated switching.
0: Yeah, you know, I I I agree with you, Darcy, is that it's the experience as a whole, as in the features and everything. Voiceover is just something a subset of that to make the experience wonderful as a whole. I. You know, ever since I got my 3GS, it's just been, when that first came out, I was just like, it it was just revolutionary for the blind community. I mean, when it first came out, we were just like, oh my gosh, because you've been hearing about these smart screens and we were worried about, well, I hope they never get rid of these push buttons, you know, the T9 style phones, because we were so concerned. I was, and I was like, and all of a sudden job announced voiceover and I was just like, hey. and I think the community just caught, it just, it was just caught on fire and we just loved it ever since. So I think voiceover as an idea and the philosophy of it and the Apple push to make sure that it's always accessible for us was an amazing and definitely a huge marker point in my life that I could say, look back and say, what was the most important thing that occurred to you as a you were blind. And I would definitely say the iPhone revolution.
2: I can remember when the day that it happened, and I, I know I I tweeted this and a bunch of people did at the time on, on Twitter, basically saying things to the effect of like, this is the day everything changes. It was because you know, it's it's easy to forget now um how big a deal it was. Because before, if you were going to use some sort of technology. Um, whether it's a computer or a phone or whatever chances are you had to get some sort of assistive uh tech to work with it whether you know some sort of software and it didn't work right out of the box and you know the Mac the mac was was one thing the mac was great I had been using the Mac about three years by that point but the iPhone was such a popular thing and so many people had it and so many people wanted it like all of a lot of us wanted it um that it was just Hugely transformational, and 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 now you know so many other not just to computers and cell phones, but so many other types of compute of uh, consumer technology. Whether you're talking about TVs or or video game systems or or any number of other things, have accessibility built in. Like that's that's the norm now. Right, and
0: so you know, I sometimes I feel like people forget what we have now compared to what we used to have. And people get like ho-hum with the iPhone now. It's like, you know, I get it. It's 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 there. It doesn't change a whole lot. But man, I would not do without my iPhone. Now, Mike, I know you had similar experience with your um, injuries from the war and going with
1: the 3GS as well. I think my first iPhone might have been the 4S, actually. Really? I got, I got injured in 2010. And when I went through the blind rehab out in Palo Alto, California, they issued me, Lord, I don't even remember what kind of phone it was. Like a <laughs> Motorola Haven or something? It was like a flip phone. It was a phone designed for people who probably, I mean, 75 years plus, like each button was like the size of a stamp. It was giant and it had a voice built into it. And it worked, but for simple texts and calls. And then I remember... Starting, well, actually, once I kind of got involved with the blind community, I started hearing people talk about, it. I'm like, wait a second, wait a second, let me look into this. And then I it was the 4S, and I picked one up and just turned that voice over. I was like, oh my God, I'm never going back to anything that I used before that, but actual buttons and just flip phones or little slidey phones. It all just, it was instantly kind of obsolete. I mean, you're telling me, even though, you know, a big chunk of these apps in here don't work. I could do all of these things. And now there's light detectors. I remember back when I was doing my own podcast I was saying multiple times, like now, actually, like of all the times for someone like me to kind of be thrust into this world that I was not at all prepared for, or even really thought about, uh, it's kind of like the best time. Cause like this is becoming a popular thing and the like, people are becoming aware of this and actually trying to have it baked in, like we're talking about and, I mean, just the other day, I'm I'm dating a girl who bought the new Hogwarts game, and just, the first time she launched it. It took her straight to the accessibility menu, where there was options to toggle on the oh, menu wow. narrator and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, that's really cool. I have no idea beyond that if it's accessible or not, but <laughs> at least that was at the beginning. There's uh, someone's thinking about it, and I just love that that has become so much more common.
2: Right, yeah, my uh, my girlfriend Holly. She's she's actually planning on buying a a, a PS5 because there's several games on there that she can play now and that wasn't the case before. Oh yeah, when um,
1: Last of Us 2 came out everyone was raving yeah. about it.
2: Yeah, and now that now they've gone back and the first one has all the accessibility too. Um but I did want to point out just for anyone who is sort of interested in the, the history of all this, there's a great audio documentary that came out a few years ago that Shelley Brisbane did and it was called 36 seconds that changed everything right. and you can find it over at 36seconds.org I believe and it's all about basically at wwdc2009 um, they briefly announced, like they went through sort of all the various features. And in just a couple seconds, they mentioned voiceover. And all of us who were watching at the time, were just like, did he just say what I think he just said? You know, and it's a great sort of, he talk, like she inter- plays some clips of of, of uh, podcasts at the time. She talks to people who are around. And it's really great if you're interested in the history of this whole thing.
0: Yes, that is a fantastic documentary there that she did. I, if you haven't heard about it, like Darcy said, Definitely check it out. It's worth listening. You know, Mike, um, it's funny that you mentioned about the Motorola phone. Isn't it funny how when they supply us with something that we're completely blind, that they give us what we think we need, and these, these huge buttons. It's like, listen, I, I can't see anything. These giant buttons are not going to help me. They're actually going to slow me
1: down. But it's just funny that, to hear your story about that. Yeah, yeah. I remember coming home with a box, like a big box, just full of stuff that they just gave me. Like I don't know when I'm ever going to yeah, use it. right. So then within like a year, just apps on my phone replaced 99 percent of everything in that box.
0: I think they gave me a a, a landline with the giant buttons. I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel I felt like a child or some elderly in, in in a senior home that can't hit the buttons or something. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Um, it's, now. Darcy, I'm going to get your input on this. So we're going to talk about the Mac now. Now, Mac didn't quite get the loving. And for me, I understand, but I'll be curious what you think because you're a Mac diehard. I know that Mike and I have dabbed into the Mac world a few times, but I think we're both on PC again. Um, so the same categories for the Mac, they got a 3.6 and and a 3.3. Which is quite a bit lower than iOS. Is that something you would agree or don't agree with that number?
2: No, because I honestly don't find it that much worse than than it ever was. I mean, I think there are certainly uh, features, um, especially at the beginning, you know, like the new settings app was a little weird um, and um, things like that. But I don't know that it's gotten worse i think there are things it can it can improve upon um i wonder sometimes if it's if it's a situation where people who don't use the mac very much go to use it and it's not because there's a whole very a different model of how you work with it the whole like interaction model and i know that throws a lot of people off um but then i mean the thing that i did notice from reading that thing is is there's a lot of times Uh, there, there are bugs that seem to appear for some people, but don't appear for other people, which I think maybe is sometimes how come it takes a while for them to get fixed. And so, I mean, obviously if someone is experiencing things aren't working as well, like that's, that's their experience, but I, I don't know. I mean, I still use the Mac, um, all the time. I mean, I, I actually, it's funny, uh, a few months ago I had to use windows for something and I didn't know how to do anything. My windows knowledge is, well, my windows knowledge doesn't really extend past windows XP. So I don't know anything about windows. (laughs) Um, and it's just like, I don't know where anything is. I I didn't know how to turn the Wi-Fi on. (laughs) I don't know anything. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to, to, to get, because I, I'm not going back and forth, but I can tell you that like the stuff that I do, I, I can, I can still do it, you know, perfectly well. And, you know, with things like, um, uh, I use shortcuts a lot. I use the, the shortcuts app. I'm I'm a big kind of proponent of that on all the Apple platforms, and I do find like in Ventura that is improved significantly in terms of accessibility than compared to uh, the previous version. Um, which ten? Which which one was the previous one? I can never keep the California name straight.
1: Neither um, well, can <laughs> I. I could never remember.
2: <laughs> well, whichever one it was, um, it, the the cats were easier. Um, but uh, <laughs> yes. uh, that's improved because before you had to use the mouse pointer a lot and you had to root the mouse around and that you don't have to do that. So I think I think it's improving. They've added a few things where it can, you know, read like um, indentation levels and stuff like that. So I, I think there's improvements. I think maybe it doesn't move as quickly as we would like because, I mean, let's be honest. I don't, I mean, I don't have no idea how big the accessibility team is at Apple, but if it comes to fixing stuff or adding features, on iOS versus Mac, they're going to do iOS first, right? Because that's that's the one more people are using. So it may not get always get the love that it
1: that it should, but I, I I'm I'm still happy with it. Yeah, I kind, kind of go. I just sort of like I I kind of agree. I can't help but wonder if the lower score is people like a lot of us who started off on PC and then went dip toes into Mac. And I was exclusively a Mac user for a long time. And like, I can still do everything that I did before. I mean, if I'm ever recording a podcast, editing audio, there's a lot of things that I only will do on my Mac. I've never even tried on a PC. Like I know it over there. I know how to make it all work. It works great. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just, I guess, ease of use. Like we were talking about, it is a very different, there's a lot more, a very different sort of keyboard shortcuts that are involved. And I wonder if that alone has something to do with the score being lower, because a lot of us learned with, if I can push these two buttons on a PC and then I come over to Mac and no one, I got to push four, it's a little more confusing. Mm-hmm. It can be, it can be much more difficult to get into it, but I, I don't know. I haven't, I personally haven't come across anything that I can't do that I want to do other than games, but that's kind of a separate issue. Yeah. I, that's a whole different kettle of fish, but yeah. Um, I agree
0: is that I agree with both of you when it comes to, I think, really if you are coming from a pc and gotten used to how that works and you come to mac i can see the frustration i really do um they want it to be like windows and it isn't and it's it shouldn't be because voiceover is totally different but i will say some of the things about the voiceover on the mac is a little
2: quirky the interaction i don't understand why that have to exist (laughs) but it does exist Oh, we get it. We can have a conversation about that because I'm on the complete opposite side. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Okay. So this, you know, I think Mike is right.
0: I think you're getting some PC people that went to the Mac are it involving, and I think even the Mac users um find that there's inconsistency with voiceover. So one app is different than the other app, and it's so happened to be the Apple stock app. So you the inconsistency yeah. and you hit it on the head darcy i get a lot of people saying that they don't get the love as they do they don't get as many uh bugs resolved it
2: just seems to just be stagnated and you just become numb to it and forget about it i think part of the the inconsistency and and obviously this is maybe getting into more specifics but uh, i think part of it is the fact that we're in sort of a transitional phase with the mac in a lot of ways because a few of the apps for ex- are you know catalyst apps which basically means they were iOS apps ported to the Mac and so in some of those apps voiceover behaves more like how it does behave on iOS like for example the messages app on the Mac normally on the Mac when you move around and you encounter a text edit or a text field you're ready to edit right you're ready to start typing you know once focus goes in the text field it's ready to go but sometimes in the messages app for example you have to view a space in the text field. And like like you do on iOS where you have to double tap on a field before you can type in it. And it's just things like that that are, that are inconsistent. And I hope that eventually, um, you know, as we sort of move out of the, the Catalyst era and more into like 50 UI and things like that, I hope that goes away. I hope that we start to see more consistency because you're right. There are a lot of times where things behave differently in one app than another app. And, and those are even the Apple stock apps. So you're, you're definitely right about that. Right. And But I think Mac as a whole, I agree with Mike. It
0: is a tank, and not meaning that it's clunky or big. It just means that it's reliable, it's stable, and, man, that thing runs. I have never had a computer that runs as good as a Mac did. And even if I boot camp Windows, it was the best Windows computer I ever had was on a (laughs) Mac machine. Um, All right. Well, the March has come and gone. We are in the end of March of this recording of this podcast, and it was very unusual and rare that Apple did not have a keynote for spring. I mean, for the longest time, I, I'll i be honest, I don't remember the last time we didn't have a spring keynote. And so it was kind of a surprise, but not of a surprise. And I'll talk about a little bit more about that. But Apple decided to focus on some press releases. So we did get some new announcements some were huh, and some were empty and et cetera. Um, for example, um Apple put a press release on a brand new iPhone color, which is yellow. And I know we're all so very excited, aren't we? Yeah,
2: or we're probably joke. not the target market for a new color. Um you know, like I I don't think that's really in in the the audience that you know Apple is like probably yeah, but his audience probably isn't
1: caring about that too much. Well, and to add on top of that, my girlfriend's favorite color is yellow, I mentioned it today to her, and she's like, her first question, but why? Because I just put a case on it, and you can't even see it. Like, That's <laughs> a real good point. <laughs> I don't know. Right. And it, and for
0: some reason, Apple thinks this is kind of a thing, right, guys? This is that, like last year they introduced us green, if you recall, and what was different? But that is that they actually also came up with something called Alpine green for the pro um as the yellow is only for the um lower end models of the iPhone 14 and 14 um, Max not the pro and I think the year before that was purple so it seems like a thing they think like ooh we're gonna flash this color and watch the snails go wild and I I don't know if it does but it's just kind of funny how they always seem
1: to do this every year. Yeah, there was that the red one they did. Like, oh wow, I don't even remember when. I that think it was before the purple. But no, it was right. It was way before that because I had a red phone and that one I, I bought that one because there was. They had some project red things, which don't yes. don't. Those, yeah. Yep. That was why I did. I'm like, oh, uh, was the malaria or something? I couldn't remember exactly what the cause was, but there was some other cause behind it. I was like, all right, sure, I need a new phone anyway. I'll get a red one and. There are people who get really
2: excited about those things, though. I mean, I I know, uh, you know, I've, I've known people who, you know, make sure that they and they, they get a case that, you know, the transparent one so people can see the color. Um, so it is it, it it is for a certain subset of people. Um, it is it is it is important. I know I know for me, I, I do not care. And I, I almost wish sometimes when I when I ordered a phone online, I wish I could just hit a, a selection that's like you know, send me the one that would come fastest, right? Like, cause you don't have to go through and figure it's like, okay, this color ships in three weeks, this color ships in two weeks. I just, I don't, I do not care, but, (laughs) but there are people who do care. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It always seems like they have some sort of a new Mac news or iPad always in the spring. And obviously we got the early release of those back in January. So you were thinking they were clearing the room to make room for a big announcement. And that's what, A lot of us were thinking, and obviously the M3 didn't come through yet, and it's also uh, pretty obvious that the gorilla in the room is that the Apple AR VR headset is not quite ready to come. And speaking of that, guys, this is interesting. So I read an article yesterday that apparently last week they had a demonstration to their top executives at Apple, and this was like a 100 different directors and executives that got you to see the new Apple AR and VR headset. And from that show, I'll be honest, I was totally stunned because you never hear anything like this, but the news is mixed. And usually when they introduce a product, they're all behind it, gung-ho, and say, this is going to be fabulous. And that was not the case. And from what they are hearing from, from that particular meeting and there's quite a few that say that it's not quite ready it's not really going to be apple revolutionary as in type in as it going to be sleek and looking good and like an apple would do it's more now designed kind of early as they weren't able to meet some of the expectation of technology wise that apple wanted so i think mike mentioned it last month it looks like a ski goggle and that's what they said and it's not going to fit over your glasses. And
2: so, gosh, did you guys hear about that? And, you know, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Mixed results, uh, what do you think of that? I, I think this, no matter what happens, I think what we're going to see with this thing is it's not going to be a product for everyone yet. I think the people who are going to get it are people who will buy anything, but also the people who um, are developers, you know, who eventually, you know, they'll make the the thing cheaper, they'll make it more uh, you know smaller probably more stylish you know that sort of thing it, it's kind of like if if you think back to like the first the first iPad or the first Apple Watch they were very slow they couldn't do very much and it it took a couple years right like it took a couple years for them to really get good and i think the problem with this first one is it's going to take a couple years but it sounds like this first one's going to be a little expensive and i think um you know Apple's in sort of a an interesting position because if they come out with a product and it's not as big as the iPhone, no matter how big it ends up being, it's going to be thought of as a failure. Like the i for the for years and years, all the press wrote about the Apple Watch as if it were a failure. Never mind that it was outselling any other watch being produced. It was still a failure because it wasn't the iPhone. And I think that's what what you're going to see no matter what they what they end up doing.
1: Probably. Because I remember plenty of jokes when the iPad was first coming out people Mm -hmm. like oh what is this thing like people were not even excited about the idea now they're everywhere yeah i feel like i mean i've been saying it for a long time i feel like a lot of people have because apple loves to throw that word innovate around because they with the iphone Mm -hmm. happened and i think everyone is kind of looking for that again and it doesn't probably help their cause that they love to talk about it as if they do that every other year or so and everyone else is like okay we're actually waiting for it so this with this the headset in one one weird way kind of excites me because if they're already mixed on it and they're not all just, you know, drinking the flavoring, as they say, and they're all on board, maybe that's going to end up bringing all of us a much more compelling product in the long run. Because if half the crew doesn't even really, you know, get excited about it. Augmented reality is one of
2: those things that they have really, they've been talking about for years. Like, like early, like in the early 2010s, they were starting to talk about, you know, you could do all this, augmented reality stuff on your iPhone so th- this is where they want to go and it's just the the problem is nobody's got anything like all the other VR headsets right now are big you know clunky things that you mm. you know and and we're just maybe we're just not there yet and I I don't know I I uh, it will be interesting to see what they come out with um and and also does it have any applications for those of us who don't see the screen is it something that we'll even have? any sort of interest in it
1: it, that that sort of remains that's what I really want to know is how will this help me and will it also be the kind of thing that if I'm wearing it I have to have headphones stuck in my ears and I'm now completely disconnected from the world around me to get access to whatever info Hmm. this headset is bringing I I, I don't know the thing that I, I I think the one sort of
2: application I can kind of see is you know right now we're seeing all this stuff with the phone it, if you have a phone with lidar right like they've got the door detection and the sign detection and that's great if you want to you know walk and i but i don't particularly like wandering walking around with my phone out you know but okay. if you had something that you wore that had a camera on it and could could tell you this stuff not not so it's blocking out your your um sense of hearing i mean and they could they've been doing great stuff already with like transparency mode on the airpods if they can improve that even better and they can kind of tell you things Without you having to carry another device around, that that is compelling. But that's also, I mean, right now from what we hear, that's they're going to be a really expensive device starting out with. So we'll 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 see what happens.
0: Now, you you, you all of you present some really good points, and I agree with your assessment. With this is definitely going to be like when the iPad and the first Apple Watch. It was not really praised on at first, but it kind of grew on us, and then after that, we absolutely love the product. This has been in the work for seven years. We've got to remember that. And I think mm-hmm. Tim Cook is ready to get this moving on. Ready or not, here it comes. Whether it's something that we could be proud to stand behind, at some point we will. I agree. I think it's, I I like the aspect of it with mix because that means they have a lot of work and they're going to be pushing hard to make the next generation even that much better. Because if they're already drinking the juice on this and it comes out lackluster, um, how do we know they're going to do even better? But you're right. It's going to be very pricey, about three grand, I hear. And I think it's going to be geared towards for businesses and for people that um, can't live without a new Apple product. Of course, it can be a niche market. But as a general public, I don't think it would be that popular at first. Um, as Darcy says, I I think personally, myself, that I predict this is going to be a big thing for those in the blind community. I bet it's the accessibility things you can do with it is gonna be sweet. And it's gonna be interesting to see what they add to this, what we call the Reality Pro. Um, I think that's the name of the device that they're gonna call it. What apps is going to be able to be in there? Can you imagine Ira, Envision, Be My Eyes, Scene AI, put them all into this one thing, Oko or OKO, all these things, Zuzanka. if those all can be on a set, yeah, that's going to be huge. Because as you may or not know, Envision's been using these uh, Google Glass for their glasses. But Google just made an announcement the other day; they're stop making Google Glass. And I was like, "Ooh, Ooh. I wonder what that's going to do for Envision." And Envision made a kind of a very vague statement saying, "We still support." glass that we have sold. We're still going to honor the warranty and you still get all those things. But they didn't say, are they going to continue with that with no glass? What are they going to go with? So it'll be interesting. They're supposed to come out next month with a statement with their uh, roadmap is going to be for Envision. But you have to admit, this is going to be a a shot across
2: the bow to Envision and OrCam and all those other folks. I would imagine so, because I'm sure it's got to have a camera. Like, I mean, it has to have a camera, right? So I well, I think it even just to do with the, the augmented reality stuff that they want to do. So yeah, for accessibility, um, you know, like it, it's going to be amazing. And I'm looking forward to all the things that we haven't even thought of yet. Like I remember when the iPhone first came out, people were like, why do I need to buy? Why do I care about a camera? Why do I need to have a phone with a camera? But now look at all the things we can do with a camera, you know, right? And it's, it's, it's pretty amazing where, where we've come. And, and, and it is also worth talking about too, about, you know, we talked about the watch and the iPad, but when the first iPhone came out, it, it didn't necessarily light the world on fire either. It took a couple of years no. ago. The first version was only on AT&T in the US I S I don't even know if it was in Canada. You had to like, like jailbreak it and stuff. And it was, it was <laughs> super expensive and it didn't do anything like you could, there were no apps yet. So no. it, it took a little while it, it you know, we, we. I think some people tend to, to retcon that a little bit and be like, you know, it, it it blew the world on, it set the world on fire on the first day, but it didn't. It took a couple of years.
0: Right. And, you know, the camera base is not just for, like, seeing things and helping us with LiDAR. I think it's also for gestures. So my understanding is you'd be able to swipe your hands and do different gestures so that you do this air gesture um, while you're with a guide dog. I, wow, that's... That would be amazing. So there's so many um, questions, but we'll have to wait. You know, obviously now people are saying it'll come out in June for WWDC, but you know what? I'm not even sure, but it seems like if they show the executives, it, it's got to be getting close. It's got to be getting close. Um, some of the announcement that Apple decide to press release too was the new Apple Music Classical app. For those that love classical music, well, you get your own app now. Now this will work with the Apple Music subscription. So if you have an Apple Music subscription, well, you'd be able to head over to App Store and download Apple Music classical stuff. I I am kind of at loss with this. Um, I know it's been in the works for a couple of years and but I don't understand, or I should say, it's interesting that this genre gets its own app, um, and on top of that, it's for the iPhone only. So it's not you, you don't see iPad get its own. It's not for the Apple Watch. It's not for the Mac. And but the Android is coming. So I was just kind of at loss. I'm glad for it, and I downloaded this morning, and it looks exactly like Apple Music. So it, I've heard people
2: say, yeah. Yeah, have you looked at it? I haven't, but I read, there's actually a really good article, a really good review over, uh, over on Six Colors that uh, Dan Warren did. And um, it sounds like, I, I think the reason they went with it having its own app, well, I know they bought a company. They bought a, a company that mm-hmm. made a classical music app. But I think also part of it is the way classical music uh, works, and, I, and I'm by far not an expert in this in this genre, but you, know, you could look up you might be interested in, you know, maybe a specific composer, but you might also be interested in a certain performance. Um, they have, you know, different types. Like it's, it's sorted better because I think, you know, if you just search for like Beethoven in Apple music, you're going to get all kinds of it, it, but it's, it's, you can, you can search more in more detailed ways. Um, there's these special, I guess there's these catalog numbers that, that uh classical music stuff has. And it's just, it's more, it's just. Like, it's the same music, right? I don't think they have any extra music, but it's it's just organized in more of a way for the the classical music
1: uh, person. It might be right, a bit toward like super music nerds. Because I was actually just talking to someone like a week or two ago saying, I wish I could filter out everything that wasn't in the key of D minor specifically. I only would want, I don't even remember why I was talking about that. But I wonder if this could, it sounds like it might be able to do something like that. Or if you're looking for like a certain mood Regardless of composer or anything, you just want a certain key, you could pull up all that kind of stuff. That would be cool. I mean, I am not really into classical music, but I would love those features in Spotify or just Apple music in general. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, you're you're both right. I did take a peek. There is like um subgenre of classical, and there's tons of them. I was like, Oh, I never thought about that. Orchestra, um, piano. Um, there's so many different forms of classical music. And, but that could be the same for rock.
2: You know, there's alternative, there's indie. there's... <laughs> yeah, um, but there's also things like you can search. I'm pretty sure you can, like, say, and classical music, people know about this stuff. Like, say you're interested in music that's conducted, an orchestra that has a certain conductor. You know, hmm. there are famous conductors, things like that. Like, all kinds of just metadata that, that, um, you know, other other genres they don't care. But you're right. There I think every every genre has um could be improved. Like, you know, for certain like going into the rock uh genre, there there are things like, say for example, you're interested in classic rock. Well they might have done like a remaster of an album, right? And there's no way to like they end up putting in the the the, the name of the track. You know, like, you know, something like, be like, you know, 2019 remaster or something like that, which is sort of awkward. But so, so maybe they, they will eventually branch branch this out in, into other things, but but classical music might be a, a good starting place because there's just so much stuff that's different compared to other other genres.
0: Definitely, I I think for any classical users out there are going to love this app. I can see why they would love it. Um, it's definitely designed for classical users, and um, so that is another release they made. The other announcement they made is that, I didn't see a whole lot of talk about this, but I was thinking for the blind community this might be something useful, and um, is that you can now shop with a specialist for iPhone over the video with Apple. So no more having to go to the Apple store if you are interested in an iPhone. You need questions about it. You wanna know which models is gonna be best for you. Talk to you about warranties and maybe even talking about financing, and those all can be done by video now. Uh, the only downside that this is only for the U.S. at this time, and I was kind of surprised because you know there seems to be a lot more Apple stores here. No, I I I I get it. There's a lot of people still in the states that are hours away from an Apple store to be able to experience um, that you get when you go to an Apple store, but now you get the experience by video, and. It is open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. And you can go to apple.com slash shop slash buy dash iPhone. And from there, you can get hooked up with a genius bar specialist that will be able to help you kind
2: of proceed on with that shopping experience. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I think that's great for people, like you say, who, who, are, who are not close to an Apple store, and even if you are, um, you know, sometimes the Apple stores are are very, very busy and very kind of, there's, you know, there's a lot going on. And if you don't know what you need, because like, you know, the, a lot of those of us here and probably people listening are are familiar with all the new models and they know, they kind of know what the differences are. But if you're not that into it and you don't know, you you've got like four different models of the current year and then they still have the 13s for sale and they may even sell the 12, I'm not even sure. But um, I don't know what they, they currently sell in there, uh, you know, as new, but y- if you didn't know what you needed, it, it might be a little overwhelming. So this, this would be great for, I think, a certain segment of,
1: of people. We have one, because I of an Idaho, there's an Apple store in Boise. Other than that one, the next the nearest one is in Salt Lake. And I think I've been to the Apple store here one time and it was, I, it was crazy. It was so yeah. busy, lines out the door and I like walked uh-huh. by i like, I'm never ever going here again. Yeah, I do. I'm 100% of the sort that I just buys online because I don't want to deal mm-hmm. with the five hundred. Right the I get store. it,
0: right? <laughs> um, no, I I agree with you. It's always busy. So if you are in, for um, shopping for a new iPhone or never been to iPhone, this is probably something for you. I would love to see this be expanded to more to like Apple Watch, um, Mac, especially. Um, wouldn't that be kind of cool to just kind of go over it? because, you know, those are some big purchases and I can see a lot of people that want to go to the Mac, but uh, have some reservation and they have questions and they feel uncomfortable going to store. So I think this is a great start. Um, I at least want to present this to everybody to, to let them know that this exists and to use it because it's there for you to try out.
2: I was going to say, I suspect they will, if it's successful in the U.S., that they'll roll it out into other places. Because one of the things um, that I do really like about Apple, uh, being that I'm Canadian, is they do tend to, you know, unless there's some sort of issue where they can't, they do tend to to really focus on international. Like, even if something starts out in the U.S. first, it's not long before it, it, it branches out into other places. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if we see it, you know, in Canada and in Europe and stuff like that. Soon,
0: right? I totally agree. We had a huge announcement just about a week or two ago on Be My Eyes. They now have a new tool which is in beta, and it's now powered by the OpenAI GPT, which you can sign up now to be on a waiting list. Just go to the Be My Eyes app, go towards the bottom, where it says a virtual volunteer access just double tap on that and i'll put you on the waiting list and once you're on the waiting list it'll say pending next to it and hopefully you'll have access to it now let's get into this i saw a uh, a demonstration by a gal named lucy um she had a youtube comma her experience with this new gpt with be my eyes and it at the end she was in tears it was that moving and she had a—I I don't remember what it was. It was Vogue or some magazine that she was able to take pictures of some of the models in there. And she asked, what is on this page? It told them that there's like four models in here. And she, and then asked her, would you like me to describe the outfit on the first one? She said yes. And it was able to say it was this nice gown it has pearls and all this stuff. And it was very— impressive and detailed, and she was just blown away, just like all of us did. Um, So I wanted to put that feelers out there. For those who haven't heard about it, get signed up. It is going to be interesting of the results. So I'll ask what you guys think of this before I kind of weigh in on this, uh, this new GPT and Be My Eyes.
1: I am intrigued, I think would probably be the best way to put it. Because in the article, it even talks about you could show it the inside of your fridge and it'll tell you what's in it and then recommend possible recipes based on what's there. Like the possibilities seem huge. And I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole with this AI chatbot thing that they're using. And there are apps in the app store and it even says in the description, you can give it some prompts. If you want a movie script, it'll do it. If you do want an essay, boom, they got it. Like it sounds like this thing can do a lot and to take that kind of power and put it into something like this that I don't know. I, I'm actually really kind of excited about what it can do. I'm I'm intrigued. Also, I'm
2: I'm a, I'm a tad more skeptical about some of this AI stuff, and I think it's because, um, like, and I I played with it when when Chat GPT first was a thing that you could you know sign up for. I I did create an account, and I not this isn't the be my ass thing. This is the the chat bot thing directly. Um, and you know I played with it a little bit, and it it did come up with stuff. The the thing that makes me a little bit hesitant um is the thing that it, it will do, and, and I've heard this and a lot of people describe it this way, is it can be wrong with confidence. Like basically what that means is like there like sometimes if you ask it to like people have tried to ask it to like write essays and stuff like that, and it will do it and it will cite sources in the essay, but it completely makes up the sources, you know? Like <laughs> it's completely fictional.
1: Um yeah, because they, they is... match <laughs> it is still an AI bot, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't really know what it's doing. It just, it just is matching, you know, based on things. So I'm, it, I hope this, this kind of stuff pans out. I'm, like I said, a little bit skeptical. I I really hope I'm wrong. This is one of those things I really hope I'm wrong about, but we'll, we'll see. I,
1: I, uh... I don't, you might not be though, because it does kind of bring to my mind that story not very long ago that they had that wrapping AI that ended mm, up getting yeah. dropped because they got super racist, and <laughs> oh, <like> there, <laughs> there's weird stuff like that that seems to happen with things like this. So I don't know. I'm I'm very curious to see. Yeah, like there was actually,
2: that one that there was that one that they plugged into Twitter, and it went from like. You know, talking about how beautiful the day was within an hour it was talking about like Nazi stuff uh-huh. and <laughs> so it's like, oh I mean it only it only can do what we feed it, right? And right, and sometimes right. if you just
1: give it raw access to the internet, you you wouldn't necessarily want that. But yeah, raw access access to the internet is not good for anything trying to build a no you know, an identity, I guess. Like no. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: I agree with all of you guys on this. Um I'm with Darsha. I'm a little skeptical with it at first, but you know, this is a new generation, so we can't expect it to be perfect. So there's going to be some flaws in there. Um, so the way I see it, guys, is that for those that are concerned, that don't want to use Be My Eyes because they're kind of afraid because it's a video or they have don't want to have, be able to talk to them for the more, this is a, a great opportunity to help those people that were kind of hesitant to use be my eyes now they can get some of the same results and hopefully it gets you in the ballpark now like mike was saying that's what they advertise is that they took a picture of it what's in the fridge and then from base what it sees it gives you a recipe i'll tell you this is what i've been seeing and hearing is that i'm even skeptical with that not so much that can identify things in the fridge i'm sure it can and i'm sure it can give you a recipe but I've heard mixed results about recipes and don't take those recipes by word. I heard that the mixing results, like um, you need two cups of flour, end up being like, you need five cups of flour. And it's like- That's the big difference. Rate. Right, <laughs> It's that's what I've heard with some of the recipes. And so I was like, hmm, don't take everything for granted, but you know, it is AI. It's not perfect, but if it could at least tell Lucy, what's this on that page? what she's wearing and get the ballpark idea. That's huge. And without having to ask somebody for it. And I think this is going to be a wonderful tool. And I heard from the Be My Eyes folks, if the confident level is not high of the statement it's giving to you, it's going to suggest you, can I connect you with a um, an assistant that can talk to you about it? And so I thought that was great and i'm glad that they were able to figure out the confident meter on what the page is so um like for example i think he mentioned about he was looking at um, an oven toaster but for some reason the screen only showed the toaster word and so he was thinking that it was a toaster not an oven toaster so it gave incorrect information Mm -hmm. um so things like that's going to happen but i really like to see this come out. And you know, what I really would like to see is not only that is in this. Can you imagine? This is Microsoft um, that purchased into this GPT and they're the only one with the new, the fourth model GPT. Put it in seeing
2: AI. What do you guys think of that? Oh, yeah, that's got to happen, right? Right. It it would just be, I would surprise, it would surprise me if they didn't do that. Right. Um, Because why wouldn't they?
1: I kind of like the fact too that they're not, kind of touting this as a replacement for the actual side of volunteers and more of a supplement to them because yeah. that was one of my first thoughts too like oh no what about all these people that actually like spend their time volunteering to actually help people they shouldn't get the boot but i've it does make me glad to hear that it's just an addition to not instead of
0: right yeah. now scott davern made a good point he mentioned he says this would be great if if it's text-based so for those that are deaf blind that can't use be my eyes and if they can use this Virtual assistant, and if it's written out in text, oh
2: wow, I didn't even think about that. That that opens up a whole new thing, yeah, right. I would so, hope that would be an option. I would be surprised if it wasn't, you know, right. Because it's just talking
0: back to you. There's no reason why it couldn't be text. So, right. Um. It, so when you hear other people's perspective on it like that, then I'm the more it makes me think like, wow, this is really going to help people. Um. So. Yep. With that, guys, um, so we just got the new iOS 16.4 that came out, was it yesterday? Um, the time yep. of this podcast, they came out yesterday. Some new things in here that I was not expecting and that is the voice isolation for cell phone. Uh, I was like, wait a minute, I thought we already had some sort of a uh ambient reduction, but apparently not over the cell phone. I was like, I was kind of confused on that, but anyway. There is a voice isolation item. So when you are on a phone call, there is a mic button. And if you do a long press on the mic button, it'll have the option to voice isolation to turn on. I have not tried it yet to see if it's accessible. And plus, if that's something that's turned on all the time or if I have to turn on each and every time I make a call, that'd be a pain in the butt.
1: I would like to think that it would be a thing that just kind of remembers your preference. I hope I'll just a so. little bit at that. I haven't messed yeah. with it
0: either. <laughs> uh, oh Mike, 20 new emojis. I know you always love your emojis. Yeah, 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 I think yeah, there's yeah. a total of 21. These just never seem to fail us.
2: So our there's a goose emoji, emoji now. If so if you ever wanted, if you want a goose emoji, apparently you have that option. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa.
1: <laughs> so you know, I don't understand it. So
2: that might be the might be worth it updating right then. You know well, see just... our 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 vocabulary
0: is increasing. So we're gonna have all visual hieroglyphic language of our own um this is kind of a big one we mentioned it i don't think people realize how big this is is now we're able to get push notification based on web apps um let me explain that a little bit so web apps are such that they're not real apps that goes on your home screen although there could be like a shortcut to a web that contains a web app um, Office 365 is a good example. They use web apps and now you can get notification if it needs to be pushed to you that are not installed on your phone, if that makes sense. I think this is kind of a big deal. I think it's one of those things that we'll have to wait and see if it really takes off. I'm not positive about that. If this is going to take off at all.
2: It might. And apparently if you do have, cause if you do have the, um, an, an app on like a, a a shortcut to a web app on your home screen it can do like the badge like if you know like where it puts the numbers apparently that's something it can do you know so that's that's pretty neat um and uh we, we will see i mean i know just in terms of accessibility sometimes you know web apps are not always the most accessible things anyway but it will be interesting to see um if uh what websites take advantage of, like which ones they take advantage, which ones take advantage of it and whatnot. Hmm. That's pretty cool
0: that it does a badge. I, yeah, that would be pretty cool. I like that. And you know, I don't know, Darcy, I mean, I guess it's a way to get around the Apple store, uh, rules and policies. So it's kind of, sort of kind of a side loading, but
2: not really, if that makes sense. That was where my mind went first. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if there's anything that you use that isn't isn't available in the app store that that uh that might be an option for sure
1: hmm.
2: i haven't thought about that until now um and of
0: course they have new optimizing improvement for crash detection we'll see if those roller coaster fanatics out there still get crash detection going off as i mentioned i had to turn mine off when i went to walt disney world because we have so many people activating the crash detection with their apple watch what a deal but um Let's see, now one of the users on Apple Viz pointed out something I have not tried yet because I just read it today. This would be interesting because he talks about how in Apple Maps and weather now has changed for voiceover users, so this is kind of new. And when you know when you're in Apple Maps, you get this map in the center and it's completely useless to us but apparently they made some improvements to it. So if you put your finger in the center and just kind of move around, it's supposed to be more designed for voiceover users to see within their surroundings and et cetera. And that's the same for the weather map. I am anxious to try that out. I'm not sure, I don't expect a lot of this, but something to point out to uh, try through 16.4. And lastly, or I should say one of the last things is that they're locking down on beta profile. Now I might mention this. I can't remember if I have you. For those that are on beta, well, time has changed my friend. So if you're on beta now, those configuration profiles are to be gone. You're no longer gonna see them. And especially I think they're getting ready for iOS 17 for this reason. Meaning that you are no longer going to be able to go to some site out there and download a profile like some people do out there. You'll actually have to be a developer or a public tester to be able to use it because it's now right bit built into your phone. You just go to settings and software update and within there you can select what profile you have. So if you have a developer or the public um, you just tap on that and then your beta shows up there. So there's no more uh, profiles to download. Interesting move on Apple's part. Um, this is interesting. My last one here, I want to say it fixed over 30 exploits. Now, I got to ask you guys about this. Now, I think it's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. And it seems like they always come out with security fixes and all that cool stuff, right? But 30 sounds like a lot. It always seems like, but why is it that? I, on the same note, I look over here and they have a 16.4 jailbreak available. It's like,
1: what are you fixing? <laughs> yeah, they missed that one apparently. Right, and he's yeah. like, hmm,
0: apparently you're still missing it. It always seems like they got, oh yeah, these are squashes, some serious exploits and serious issues that you need to get. And meanwhile, here comes a jailbreak version. And for those that don't know how jailbreak works is that it uses some sort of a vulnerability exploit to gain access to your phone to unlock it so you can jailbreak it. Um so I think it's just kind of ironic that they boasted about 30 exploits but yet on the other side of the news I see jailbreak is available 16.4.
1: Yeah back when I used to jailbreak every every time a new update came out I would wait a month or two or so and then the jailbreak would come out afterward once so they found a new hole but this one I just I don't know I don't know if they just overlooked it or, <laughs> or just like okay who cares. Right, it's or maybe like, fixing something entirely different. I don't, I don't really well, know. In a
2: few days, if there's a, if there's a sixteen point four point one, then we know that that's what they <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, probably.
0: Yeah. Right, it's like, you know, it's like, why aren't you downloading, finding out about Pegasus or downloading this jailbreak to find out where it is so you can fix those holes? But it doesn't seem like they ever get ahead of the game on this, but. Anywho, it does fix some voiceover accessibility bugs, which is great. Some of the um, bothersome ones with a Braille display, losing connection when they try to access the notification center is fixed, which is great news. But we still have some handful of other quirks that not been fixed. Now, speaking of iOS, let's jump into iOS 17. So these are all speculation. Of course, Apple has been cracking down on news, what gets leaked out or not. But there's some of these speculations are based on news and articles that we've seen and that we talked in the past. And so one of those things is we talked about before is the next generation CarPlay, um, which is supposed to be the 2.0 of CarPlay. That would be very welcome as it's pretty basic right now for users. Um, But... The big one, a lot of people are wanting are changes to Siri. Now we had this discussion come a month ago about the new discussion about Siri 2.0 coming out that comes with better recognition and better information um, based so they can catch up with Google and the A lady. But they had this pretty cool article that, that I sent you guys about how convoluted and how bad the code is is for Siri. It is so bad just to add a single new phrase or word to the Siri. Takes six weeks.
1: That's ridiculous. It's crazy. This actually, for me, I feel like every time we've talked about Siri, I've just had this big kind of vague question mark, like how does it work? Why is it so bad? Why is it so complicated? And this article actually put a lot of that into plain light. And Yeah, like a just one word taking weeks and weeks and weeks and if they want to do something even remotely substantial with it, you're looking at a year plus of time to code that in because it's like untangling a ball of yarn. It sounds like an absolute disaster. Yeah. Well, I can only imagine if you just think about even
2: like just something like Siri, all the different things it has to understand, but not only not only in English, but in all the other languages it supports, right? So you can like, it, it's hard, you can imagine that it would just be very convoluted and especially since you know they they bought siri from another from someone else it used to be a third party thing and and you know who knows what what it was like then so um yeah hopefully they can they can fix it they can get it they can make it
1: better than it is now yeah i mean anything will be better than what they got now right (laughs) i Um, was i was secretly kind of hoping for them to just say all right we are we've redone it from the ground up it's right like things will be familiar but like for their own sake like just redo the framework of how you can insert a word and make it where you can just type it in and hit enter right. or something like, i got to that's obviously very simplified from someone who has very little coding experience but the idea well, of, just from what they it, were saying of having that be my job on a day-to-day basis that's yeah. i hate that i i think for me for
2: the most part i'm i'm okay with 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 Siri like i it does what i want but i what i want it to do is it i want it to be more sort of aware of what i'm doing like for example if if say i use the the phrase which i won't say because i don't but um you know a bunch of things can respond whether it's my phone my watch my ipad my home pod but i want the thing to respond that makes sense to respond like i'll i will ask sometimes like what's what's the battery level on my phone right and if if just my phone is there it can answer it and tell me this is the battery but if the if the home pod is nearby the phone will give up it's like, oh, the home pod's got this. And then the home pod's <laughs> like, it's like, I'm sorry, I can't tell you the the uh charge on your iPhone. It's like, it's like, well, why didn't you let the iPhone take it? You know, like yeah. well, I like I, I that's that those are the kind of things that I want. Like, um just to, to be more sort of contextually aware. Or like if there's something I do a lot, you know, do that first, right? Like I use I use a handful of shortcuts that I've made um to to do different things. And, you know, those are things I run all the time. So maybe if you understand what i mean think okay well this sounds like the thing that he asks for all the time so maybe maybe look at that first kind of thing so that those are the kind of things that i i hoping we see in this new improved siri well sure darcy it's coming to you in the near
0: future 2025 (laughs) right exactly um you know i'm a i was a coder for quite some time and i'm only this is just assumption okay but it almost seems like siri was was quick to be built and when you are being rushed to quick to build you do with sloppy coding and i'm not saying the code itself is not quality worthy i'm just saying the framework like thinking this is what we should frame out and for future we'd we'll be able to put these modules together but it sounds like they didn't even get to that point it was just slopped into one pile and it just got built on top and top, and nobody's ever taken the time to dissect the whole thing and yeah. restructure it to make it more efficient. And I totally agree with you guys. They need to revamp Siri. And I feel bad for Apple because now if they do an improvement, we we'll are only get the 2.0 as in meaning we'll get the quality that we get in Google Assistant and the Echo, which is kind of sad because those guys have always had been before um, it's always just sad to see Siri lag behind ranking third or fourth place when it comes to best uh, assistant to ask question and now with this GPT coming on board I can just see the Google and the a leaders start to get with that and then Apple once again will be falling behind and I'm just I think they need really to just need to start from scratch and include GPT and just blow
2: everybody away with a new announcement. That's just, but we're hoping some improvements. And I think the other thing to keep in mind too is Apple is going to be slower because of the way they do, Not, not, I mean, bad coding aside, like they tend to be more privacy focused than the other companies. So they will move slower because they'll, you know, they try to do as much as they can on device you know, versus, and, and I think that's what you're going to, like, I think they will do it. Like most of their, their things that they do, for example, like all their picture recognition and all that kind of stuff, you know, that happens on device versus sending it off somewhere. And I suspect that they're going to be moving slower, but unfortunately, you know, when their competition is way far ahead, not as many people are going to be, are going to value that. So I, I don't know, this is, this is interesting times ahead for sure. All right. And so, including with iOS 17, I think this is going to
0: come true as we've been talking for months and months, or about a half year on this, as the EU created a new law and that all devices have to comply with their new mandate, and that is allowing iOS to be sideloaded and have alternative Apple Store purchase. I think that's going to come true. We'll see. Um, that's definitely on my wish list, I think they're going to have to. Now, I mentioned before, I can also see Apple making this for Europe only, but we will remain seeing, but I think that might happen too, so we'll see. Um, And obviously we are expecting the new headset to be within iOS 17 as well. So there'll be a big thing within that too. And our last item up here is what you know i think a lot of listeners love to hear what's going on with the new iphone 15 coming up i know that randy and uh, mike and i have been really anxious to talk about this and we've been talking a lot about the things that to come expect from it you know this is amazing it seems like you don't hear a lot of leaks by ios but you sure do when it comes to hardware for whatever reason that is but um all the Typical things we've already talked about, USB-C still in the works, um, A17 processor, the Wi-Fi 6E. I, I think it's kind of funny because many, many places, and I would say most places don't even support 6 yet, so I'm surprised that, I guess, Apple wants to be on the head of this. And um, what is new that I've heard is that the Dynamic Island is coming to all the devices, which is kind of cool, and the, and the Dynamic Island is becoming a little smaller for us to see periscope lenses it's coming on to the iphone 15 max only which is be kind of interesting for those camera users that want to be able to uh, zoom out much further and for us i heard that there's lidar improvements they will still stay on the pro models and um, i've always said the dimension or the depth of a lidar is too shallow 15 feet is not enough so I know that they mentioned in this article that the lidar improvements is coming towards the camera, um, but it would be kind of cool to see if that gets Im- improved. Now, using lidar is a battery hog, and I think the biggest thing about it is going to be more efficient. And not that kind of disappointing that the lidar isn't on all the phones
2: yet? It is because that's like the pro is substantially more money than the than the base model, and if that's all you want it for. Um, you know, that, that that is that is disappointing if that ends up being true. Um usually I can understand the first year version or even the second year version.
0: So this would be the third year that with LIDAR. I would think yeah. by now. I mean, if you're getting the dynamic island to everybody,
2: why not lidar? Yeah. It just
1: I like this the dynamic seems-
2: island. I'm excited that everyone's gonna get Because I have a, a 14 Pro and I, I do really I think the Dynamic Island's pretty cool. So it'll be it's nice if everyone gets it.
1: I hope that I'm wrong, but it does seem like one of those things that they're just kind of adding to widen the gap between the pro models and the normal ones. No doubt, they, it kind of seems might, to be a bit of a trend. Because for a while there, the only
2: difference was the pro had the better camera, right? And even even the chip was the same in previous years. But the, starting with the 14, they they you know the regular 14 models got last year's chip. So if you wanted the faster, if you wanted the current year chip, you had to go for the pro. So they may be doing that because they may you know if you're not in if you're not into into photography you know they may want you to have to give you more reasons to to up up you know up your thing to the pro so um it will you get the telephone with the lower models (laughs) that's
0: true so that's yeah uh here's another one i'm going to ask you guys now we talked about this before and there's more news about this the solid state uh, buttons are also coming too. And that means there's no more physical buttons. So your side button, your volume, and now your mute. Now, let me go on more details. and We discussed about the solid states were coming. And now it sounds like the volume is going to be one button. It's more going to be more like a rocker. So at the top, if you tap the top, it's going to go up. Tap the bottom, it's going to go down. But the big one over here, and a lot of people were kind of upset about is the mute button i was kind of confused why they would be so upset they think that it's going to be too easy to accidentally just tap on that
2: since it's a solid state button to activate the mute i i think i think apple is i mean they've been doing these things for a while i i think that it will be i i think it will be fine i think they're they're they know how people use the phones they know they don't want accidental button presses i think you're going to have to probably press firmly, or or do some sort of thing, and I just hope that it's obvious, either tactily or through some sort of haptic feedback, whether you're muting or unmuting, because that's that's one of the great things about that switch, right? You can you know, just from the touch of it, the tactile feeling, which way that switch goes. So I hope they do that, but I actually don't mind the other tactile um, haptic buttons because I still remember my iPhone seven. Like that, even just thinking about it now, that home button was pretty remarkable because it felt like you were pressing a button, even though you weren't, yep. you know? I remember turning mine off and then pushing it like, oh, wow, yeah. I actually it's like, not clicking a button. Yeah. It, it's, it's so weird because you, you'd swear that you were, you you were pressing a button and it was moving in, but it's not, it's, it, it was so good at tricking you with that haptic feedback that. Right. So I, I think uh, I'm interested to see it. And I, I think. I mean that that has to be in terms of the things like waterproofing and stuff like that. That has to be sort of the last. That and the ports have to be like the last sort of area where, where stuff can get in. Because I remember my first iPhone uh, was an iPhone 11, and it made it made an unfortunate trip through the washing machine. And um, <laughs> oh even, man, even oh it was not fun. That was not a good day. Um, even but you know it's fun. I I packed it in rice like you're supposed to do after a couple of days and. It actually still worked, but the only thing is the buttons were flaky. So mm-hmm. um, and and it so if that's if they can get rid of those moving parts, that's probably another another step towards you know waterproofing it and dustproofing it and so on. So I it wouldn't surprise me if
1: if that's if that happens. This is going to be kind of dumb, but I secretly am hoping that when this does roll out, that I can use my volume buttons instead of like buttons as just a wheel. I'd like to just slide my finger up or down. And how it adjust the volume that way.
2: They might do they like that. that. I mean, that'd be kind of cool. Because you know that I always th- I think back to the uh, yeah I don't know if if, if either of you guys had a had a like an I, actual iPod or not, but that click click wheel was a cool cool interface. Yeah. You know, just moving a finger like around that wheel. Um, and so yeah, and and I think uh, I could see them doing that. I could see them having a, having a slide rather than you know press press like five or six times like you know slide your finger up and down. It wouldn't surprise me if they did that. It'd be fun.
0: I love the iPod, the the clicker, the click wheel. Mm. That was incredible. I love the feeling. I love the sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think this is going to be the biggest thing for those that are blind when they grab this phone, what's going to be different. Um, you know, the little things like the processors and stuff is always good, but when it comes to, like, what big differences are it going to be for the blind, I think that's going to be huge because... Like you said, the the home button was incredible sensation to make it feel like that's a real button. But when the phone's off, it's like, oh my god, that's just glass. There really isn't a button there. Yeah. Um, my understanding they're going to put two more haptic engine in there. So they're going to put one towards the side button and one over by the volume button. So they're going to get that sensation feel. And as for the mute, I I think it's overhyped. I think people are already whining about it. But I you know knowing Apple it will do something to help you with making that easier to trend, uh over to. I think one, I think there's two options. You, if you may have to press on it for a whole second or two before it activates, then it'll just say mute or just do a haptic. Or maybe they'll tap on it and a prompt comes up. Were you meant to mute this? Yes, no. I don't know which, but I think something's going to happen like that. I totally agree. But with a solid state, wow. Like you said, Darcy, I can't think of anything else other than the USB is the only port that's open. And obviously your um, speakers and microphone, but those are pretty much waterproof already. You've seen that in Apple Watch. You can dive with that thing with the, even though it has a grill or the speakers, um, it, it is getting to a step closer. I'm getting excited for it, but there's some new information I thought I'd pass along. And now to the very last segment here is what is news in Apple Viz. This is where I kind of cover what's going on in Apple Viz. Obviously, with the Apple report card, that's going to be coming back every year. I'd like to go over some apps that I found this month that I'd like to point out. I did a podcast on this, and that is the OKO AI Copilot for the Blind. And this particular app is pretty sweet. I think it's a new tool that you can use with yourself. Obviously, it's going to be used with your cane or your guide dog. But basically what it does, it helps you cross um, crosswalks that have pedestrian traffic signal lights. So those little things that says walk and don't walk. Um, I know in many places that have modern traffic lights here, if we press the button for a full three seconds, it will tell you, or it gives you a haptic feel at the signal box, lets you know that the signal has turned to walk and don't walk. But sometimes if you're using older devices, they don't have that or the maintenance, this not talking to you anymore. This is a great app to help you. This would be something very useful with the headset, I think. So have you guys used it or played
1: with it or heard of it? Okay. Oh. I've only heard of it. We actually, at least anywhere near my house that I've been, they don't have I haven't encountered been, been, been a single intersection that has any of those accessibility features built in around here. Oh, none of them. <laughs>
0: You know, somebody was asking me about that. I said, yeah, it's city-based, and um, these are people from Europe that I get it. That's the cool thing about Europe is that if they made it, the announcement national-wide, it gets funded and everybody gets it. Yep. Here in the States, it goes city by city. Now, the government does, gives us a um, an idea and suggestion what they should do, but It all comes down to cost and funding. And for cities that are it's like, well, the lights work and I why what I want to replace it with the whole brand new just to help the blind people. It Uh, is
1: kind of annoying when there's a very, 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 very small population of blind people. So generally all that kind of stuff just gets overlooked. So like mm -hmm. there's one of you. Why would we care?
0: (laughs) We're not gonna spend thirty million dollars for you to be able to cross the street. You know, it's sad. Yep. But OKO is one of those tools I thought it was kind of cool. How, how does that work in
2: Canada then, Darcy? I have heard of this thing and I haven't had a chance to try it yet. Um, I don't know if it would work on our, if it's, if it's compatible with, with our systems or not. Well, that's but we have true. the same sort of situation where, you know, it's, it's, it's like a municipal thing, whether they, they add the different uh, signals or not. So mm. um, it will be interesting to see. I'm, I, I will have to, when I go home, I'm, I'm not in Canada right now, but when I when I go home, I will have to well, check You that. get to use it now before you go back home because you
0: just, you just I just thought of this. It's only, it's not in Canada yet. It's only for a handful of countries in Europe and States is the one that just released for the United States. Um, but I was curious about how the system works in Canada when in terms of uh, updating their traffic lights. So you pretty much answered that in almost like the States almost. Um, so if you haven't heard about it, check it out. OK, and the letter o. And the next one I want to talk about. This is kind of almost there. It's about ninety eight percent accessible. If you're a Macedon, and if you're looking for a free alternative to your Metatex, I Metatex is hands down the best. But I noticed it starts to be a little bit quirky as the Macedons start to update different version on their servers. Um, there is something to watch, and I've been talking to a guy that is in charge of accessibility on Ice Cubes, and he is making a huge stride. The last two version was massive, as in terms it made almost everything accessible, about ninety eight percent. There's still some quirks on it. We're working on trying to hammer out, so maybe the next two version. Um, if you haven't heard about it definitely check it out. The one thing I love about Ice Cubes is that the functionality is rich. There's a lot of things you can do with it, but yet simple. It's not as complex as Mona. Mona is great Mastodon on, but it's paid, it's going to be kind of pricey. But if you're in the free area, check out Ice Cubes. And the last thing I want to mention, what I love about Ice Cubes is notification. I have multiple accounts, and when I'm using other apps and they give me notification, it just says notification from uh Mona or from what it doesn't tell me is which account um, So, but Mastodon or I should say um, the Ice Cube does so when I get a message it'll say uh, such and such on your Thomas Underline Dragon's Cave message or Thomas at MastodonAppleViz.com so it tells you which and so I highly encourage all of you to check that out if you're seeking for a new free alternative I think within the next month it should be really accessible Do you know if ice cube has a mac version or is it just an ios thing let's see here ice cubes that's a good question you're right i know mona does i know the Twisha okay? cake i don't know i have to ask if ice Cube is on the mac i that's a good question
2: i'll find that, out for you that's the thing that's appealing to me right now about mona is because there are um mac versions and ios versions and they you know they mm. sync up and all that. So right. um, it this is so interesting. This whole this whole Mesodon thing right now, it reminds me of the early days like when iOS first became accessible. The early days of of Twitter on iOS, because there were, you know, at one point we did a thing on, I think it was Screen the Switchers at the time. We did a thing, and I think it was like like the half a dozen Twitter clients that were accessible at the time because there were so many of them. And that's what it's reminding me of now. Like there's so many different ones, and it's great because you know, if there's one that doesn't work for you or if there's one, you know, that stops being supported, which I think is going to be the situation with MetaText, you know, there's there's other ones. And I think that's that is really exciting right now.
0: I think so, too, Darcy. I really love it. And just a little teaser out there that about a week ago, if you're still a Spring for Twitter fan, guess what? The I I don't know about this. I I I, I um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of sneaky how they did this, but if you want Spring for Twitter to work, it works. Go back, download Spring for Twitter, if you're still on Twitter, and reactivate it, it will work. Um, basically, what I, I notice is that they changed account, so I
2: think that account hasn't been pulled, and so but it still works. I, <laughs> I, I think, though, they're probably living on borrowed time. Um, I think the only reason it works problem. is because they haven't noticed, because Twitter right? hasn't noticed, because like <laughs> um, Tweetbot <laughs> tried that and they got pulled immediately. So I think uh, I I would I sort of came ter- to terms with sort of the end of Twitter Twitter a few months ago, and I haven't really used it too much. But I think me too. I think people are living on borrowed time with with Twitter. Yeah, honestly, this is
0: for those that are still desperate to hang on. There are still people on Twitter that refuse to come to Mastodon, whatever reason that is, and that's fine. I don't know why that great. I, I love it. It's okay. I I think you're going to get a great experience on Mastodon that you never seen on Twitter or you missed when Twitter was young. But it's I just want to point that out. Yes, I think it's a little sneaky how they're doing. I know they're trying everything they can to deceive them, and it's just on time, you break. Um. That's going to wrap up for this month, guys.
1: Now, Mike, any movies advice for this month? I do. <laughs> I know it's uh, a movie called Mama from 2013. Andy Muschietti is the director. Uh, supernatural horror. It's great, and it's kind of adorable, which I know sounds weird, but the whole premise is these two little girls, uh, their parents get killed, and they go missing for five years, and then they find them. And then something follows them back, and still wants to tuck them in their beds at night. But it's <laughs> strangely—I mean, it's obviously—it's a horror film, but strangely adorable. I actually genuinely uh-huh. love that movie. Very uh, good. Is your new girlfriend likes horror movie? Hopefully, she originally said she did not like them, but now a few <laughs> dozen, a few dozen movies in, uh, no. she, she's your mind. She's actually picked some of the scariest ones that we've ever seen. So
0: oh. <laughs> she's you have quiet. to say. Hey, that's a requirement to be dating with me. We have to watch some, right? <laughs> She's been a good sport. She's been a very good sport about it. And
1: we've watched good. so many good movies.
0: Um, and don't forget the Dungeon Dragon movie comes out
1: and this week, actually. This week, yeah. Yeah. Yep. We'll see how dumb or good this will be. It's supposed to be good. That's why I hear like people that made it are supposedly play the game. So I'm hoping mm. we're going to find out. We're going right. to go see it.
0: Uh, Darcy, it is a pleasure, my man. I love having you on and we are so blessed to have you to come on with us today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You betcha. Um, you want to tell everybody how to
2: access to your podcast and any contact information you want to share? Uh, absolutely. You can find the Accessibility podcast at maccessibility.net. So like accessibility with an M at the beginning. Um, And you can find my accessibility in your podcatcher of choice. Um, You can find me on Mastodon at dhsdarcy, so dhs, d-a-r-c-y, at dragonscave.space. And I should also point out, I've been doing, over the last couple months, uh, over on the ACB community, and you can find their podcast, I've been doing a sort of a series of Zoom calls where I've been teaching people how to use um, Shortcuts for iOS. And I've been sort of doing some tutorials there. So if you look for the ACB community podcast, you can find my shortcuts tutorials there. Cool. I, I, I'll be checking that out, Darcy. I love it. All right. Well, you tell everybody
0: on the Mac accessibility team, hello from the gang, Apple Vision Unleashed. Big shout out to you guys. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Awesome podcast. I love it. I listen to all of your, your cast that you guys do over there. All right, so I am Thomas Davo, also known as an Adam Mouse. Until next month, I'll see you later. Bye-bye.
2: Please feel free to contact the AppleViz Unleashed team with a feedback, tips, or questions at unleashed at applevis.com or call at 816-287-1482. This AppleVis podcast has been brought to you by the community of applevis.com for the latest in resources and tips and tricks to get you the best experience from your Apple device.
1: Visit www.applevis.com you